But the most important thing about Thanksgiving is what I'm going to emphasize this morning from our reading of scriptures and the things that we're going to take a look at. It goes along with our initial reading. Uh, And the question of the message this morning is, are you ready for Thanksgiving? And I don't mean that in the sense of the holiday this Thursday, but in the sense that we're always in the state of giving thanks to our Creator and to our God. Uh, The initial Thanksgiving in our country was to give thanks to God. That was the point of it. And it has endured for this time. And sometimes you hear some strange things about Thanksgiving. We hear a lot about what are you thankful for or who are you thankful for, but not so much about who you're thankful to. And that's what we need to concentrate on and think about, not just this week, but every part of our life. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Before we get to our study, let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us and you are loving and you have sent your only son to die on the cross for us and to rise again to give us everlasting life. Father, we thank you for the joy that we have in our faith and the great thanks that we can give to you at all times for what you've given to us. We ask your blessing upon us now as we study your holy word that these things take um, anchor in our hearts. And Father, help us to rejoice always, to give thanks in all circumstances, and to recognize your great works at all times. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you have your Bible, we're going to go to uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, and I'll read that in a moment. And I'm noting it here in, in, in my Bible as well. What I want to emphasize here in Colossians, and I was thinking this week, I could do the same thing through 2 Corinthians, because we've been reading and going through 2 Corinthians, and the word for thanksgiving keeps popping up. And in 2 Corinthians, it's always, do these things And there's good that comes from it because people will give thanks to God for your good works and what you do. And so that that is something to think about as we're studying through 2 Corinthians. But what stands out to me in Colossians here is, well, I'll give you kind of a summary of it. If you go to Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, we read this. Paul says to this new church, this church that has yet to see him, that he is laboring for, that he is praying for, that he's so concerned for. And you see the love of the Apostle Paul poured out in this text. And he says to that church, he says, I want you to devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. And and to being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And you see that a lot from the Apostle Paul. He says, I want you to do all of this, and the end of it, do it with thanksgiving. And we see that repeated. And especially in the book of Colossians. All these things uh, that you are commanded to do, do them, and then do it with thanksgiving. And I want to remind you this morning that thanksgiving again is a part every it's a, every day is a part of our lives. And as you read throughout the scripture, you see that those who are filled with joy, those who lay aside anxiety and worry, those who move away from depression, their life is filled with thanksgiving. They're able to do what the song says and to count their many blessings. They see what God has given to them and they know from whom it came from. And all good things come from the Creator. They come from God. And that's why we give our gratitude to Him. That's why we praise Him. And so I encourage you again, it's not, we want to, it's good to think about what you're thankful for, but thankful, but remember who you're thankful to. Remember who you're thankful to. So to tie into that, what we're reading here about being devoted in prayer and do so with thanksgiving, I want to go now to Colossians 2 and look in verses 1 through 8. 
And to kind of overshadow that as we're reading through it, I want you to listen to what Paul is saying here and how it connects. Because he's talking here as a preacher and a minister, and he's talking about what he wants for this church, for this new church and these new Christians. This is what I want for you. What does a preacher, what does a minister, what does a missionary, an apostle want for a church? What comes from his heart, what should come from his heart, is right here in Colossians 2. And I'm going to be emphatic on the point Again, on Thanksgiving. So, Colossians 2, verses 1 through 8. This is what we read. For I want you to understand how great a struggle I have had on your behalf and for those who are at Laodicea. All right, Laodicea is a town nearby on the trade route there in Asia Minor, where you read about like this, the great city of Ephesus and others. He says, These things I'm struggling for you and for Laodicea, and for all who have not seen my face in the flesh. For every church, every Christian I've been able to go to, who I struggle for and I work for, who I love and I care for, who I've not, not been able to meet yet, I want you to know what's going on. Verse 2, he says, I want you to know the struggle, verse 2, so that their hearts may be encouraged. He wants all their hearts to be encouraged. And that is the objective of every preacher and minister is to encourage. Having been held together in love. You want churches to be united in love. And as I read about this, I often think about all the congregations that I've been able to work for or that I've been a member of, that I grew up in. And I love to hear good news from them. It's encouraging. I want to hear that they're faithful, that they're reading God's Word, that they're doing these great things. Those, that's, it's, it's so uplifting, and I want it to in, further encourage them in doing that. And so he says, I want your hearts to be encouraged. I want you to be held together, united together in love, by love, even unto all the wealth of the full assurance of understanding, unto the full knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ Himself. So again, I want you, I want you to have the love of unity. And I want you to be encouraged, but I want you to have the knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is the mystery of God revealed. He is the basis of all that we know. Look at verse 3. And whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Beautiful statement there. In Christ is all the wisdom, all the knowledge that I need. He is the word by which all creation was brought into being. And so we rely upon him. Look at verse 4 and following. I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. That's another part of his concern. I don't want you being lied to. I don't want you going astray. I don't want you listening to what the world is saying and then polluting it into the, the gospel message or ignoring what, the, what Christ has taught. I want you to hold to it. Look at verse 5. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit rejoicing to see your good order and the stability of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Don't move away. Don't listen to the arguments that the people were making. You stay anchored in Christ. Walk in the path that He set. Look at verse 7. Having been firmly rooted and being built up in Him, having been established in your faith just as you were instructed and abounding with thanksgiving. You see, he gets down to that point there. He's like, and he's telling them, don't, don't, 
be taken away. I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be joined together in love. I want you to grow in the wisdom and understanding the knowledge of God, knowing that Jesus is the basis of all, everything you need to know as far as when it comes to the church and when someone wants to add another book or another teaching or something else, don't go astray. You walk in Him just as you were taught about Him. Look at verse 7. Uh, as we've seen, He says you've been firmly rooted and built up in Him. And so, and you do all that, and when you do it, it produces thanksgiving. The end result of being faithful to God in Christ should be thanksgiving. If you look at your life and you're saying, I'm doing a lot of these things, but some of them maybe not, and there's no thanksgiving in your heart toward God and to Christ, something's off. Look at verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, and not according to to Christ. Now, as I look at that passage and other passages that I read here, you've got these constant instruction from the Apostle Paul here to this young church that you need to guard your gratitude. That you need to be aware and devoted to prayer and thanksgiving. That it needs to be the end result of everything that makes you a Christian. That you give thanks to God. That you not move away, that you're not taken captive by any other false teaching. You know you're not going in the right direction if your faith does not produce thanksgiving. A lot of people today say, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus and they're miserable. They don't look at their blessings. They don't see what God has given to them. There's no thanksgiving in their life. Something's wrong. The faith is not the wrong. You're not believing what you're supposed to be believing. You're not looking to God as the one who's given you all that you have. If you did, you'd be giving thanks to Him. And so when we read that in Colossians 4 and verse 2 again, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That we make sure that we're on guard to keep the truth, to be established and built built and rooted on Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I think about this passage. It's on my wall at my house all the time. And it says, And everything... Give thanks. In everything, give thanks. And Garland just let us in the song, but rejoice always. And it's the same message there. In every situation, in every blessing, give thanks. You should find reason in everything. Your trials and tribulations, the hardships you go through, the work that you put in every day, every bit of it, I thank God for what I have, what He has given to me. And in this week, it's just a, even more an emphatic reminder uh, that we need to give thanks to God. And then there in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, not only does he say give thanks in everything, which is a command, it's an imperative. He says, for this is the will of God for you. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. God's will is for you to be a thankful Christian. To be thankful. Now, when I, I read this in Colossians and I see him warning about the things that are going on, The one passage that came to my mind immediately was Romans chapter 1. You have a warning there about what happens when someone moves away from God or they move away from the faith and what happens when they're deceived and what's behind it. This is why we want to keep guard of our thanksgiving. Make sure that we're always recognizing God. We're always honoring God. We're always worshiping God. We're always giving thanks to Him. Because when you don't do that, you're going to move away. You're going to become apostate. You are going to move away from the faith and you're going to have even greater struggles. So as I look at that, go with me over to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. 
And we look at verse 21. I think I'm the only one turning because it's on the screen behind me. I don't have a screen up here anymore. All right, Romans chapter 1. There's so much to be said about this, and I go to this passage a lot. It's just, it reminds me so much of the world that we live in today. But look at verses 21 to 25. For even though they knew God, in just the passages before, he said, look, everybody can see in creation that there is a creator. It's reasonable. They can see that. There's no reason, there's no excuse for them not to believe that. And verse 21, he says, For even though they knew God, they did not glorify Him. And so someone might say, yes, I see God, and I see creation, uh, but they don't glorify Him, and they don't recognize Him, and they don't thank Him, what's going to happen? He says, they did not glorify Him as God or give thanks. So what happened to them? They became futile, and their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see how important it is that you give thanks to God? I thank God for the reminder that our country has this specific uh, day and time of the year just to remind us that as Christians, we need to be giving thanks all the time. Because if I don't, there are consequences to it. And so it says here, uh, they did not glorify Him. They did not give thanks. They became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for the image of the likeness of corruptible man, of birds, and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. In other words, they began worshiping the, cre- the creation. They began idol- making idols, idolizing the things that God created rather than the Creator Himself. And it says here then in verse 24, Therefore God gave them over to the lust of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. You don't glorify God and you don't give thanks to Him. You're going to fall away and you're going to find yourself being ruled by the lust and the desires uh, of your body or of coveting or, or maybe of your tongue or of your ego. Those things are going to rule over your life and God's going to allow it because you've rejected Him and you've ignored Him and you've worshipped something else besides Him. And so we read right here, it says in verse 25, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So that passage is emphatic and it comes to my mind all the time. When I think about the need for thanksgiving and why it's an imperative, why is it commanded to us that we thank God? That's why. And as I read, when I read this passage here in the very beginning of Colossians chapter 2, oh, there's so much more there. I can keep reading. I'm not going to read all of it, but I want to share with you some parts of it. Uh, we want to be thankful and be devoted to Christ and to giving thanks to Him. Well, look at verses 9 and 10 again. Very similar to what we've read before. But he's saying, in Christ we're anchored. Verse 9, for in Him, that's in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Now what does that mean? That means that Christ, that God dwells within Christ bodily now as He's at the right hand of God. He's God come in the flesh. He's the authority. Don't move away from Him. Give thanks to Him. And verse 10, And Him that's in Christ, you have been filled, who is the head over all rule and authority. He's the head over everything. You give thanks to Him. Don't thank the government. Thank Christ. He's the head. He's the ruler. Alright? Thank Him and worship Him. All the things people want to worship, don't worship them. Don't bow down to them. Don't give your time to them more than God. Thank your Creator. Another thing that stands out here and he begins to go is he's thankful. 
And he gives, and the thankfulness that comes toward Christ, and because he's the head over everything, is because he died, and he was buried, and he resurrected. It all comes back to the gospel. And so as Paul's writing to this new church, he says, I don't want you to be moving away from Christ. I want you to remember the gospel and its effect upon your life. And as we go through Colossians, we see that. Go down to chapter 2, look in verses 12 and 13. You got your Bible open, you can read it. We've read it a number of times. He talks about being buried with Christ through the working of God that God raises us up and He forgives us of all of our sins. It's the work of the gospel. And then we go down a little bit further in Colossians chapter 2, look in verses 18 and 19. He says, Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels. Now back then, a lot of those had a Jewish background and Jewish mysticism, they worshipped angels. Today, people will say, well, worship this person or worship this saint or pray to this person. The same thing's happening right here. And he says, don't be deceived by that. And then he says, he's going in detail about visions he has. And so these these people that are deluding you, they tell you they have visions. They have special revelation. They have special prophecy from God to lead people astray. And they're leading people astray. And it says they're being puffed up for nothing by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head. Here's the problem. When people do this and they make up new forms of worship and new ideas and new teachings, they're not holding fast to Jesus Christ. He's not their anchor and their basis of thanksgiving. He's not the one by which they look to because he has died and he's buried and resurrected. They're all about themselves. So again, it says, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole entire body being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. So I want to grow in God. And he gives the basis and foundation of that in the gospel. And he talks about also, it changes the way that we think. If you don't think from the perspective of the gospel, you're not going to be giving thanks to God like you should. I want you to notice this, the beginning of Colossians chapter 3, look in verses 1 through 3. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. And so Paul says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you're a Christian, you've been raised up from baptism in Christ. He says, keep seeking the things that are from above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Your perspective is right. You're always looking to Jesus. You wake up every morning prayerfully, knowing that your life is given to you by by God and that you've been saved and raised to a new life by Jesus Christ. And what does that do to you? Just me saying that should, and you think about that, it should produce in you thanksgiving. Thank you, God, I'm alive. Thank you, God, that I'm saved. Thank you, God, that I look forward to the resurrection to come. Thank you that Jesus came and died on my behalf. And so he says in verse 2, Set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. For you died and your life has been, bidden, has been hidden with Christ in God. And I can keep reading right there. It continues to build on that same gospel message. The Christian life is so much different because we're filled with faith and the hope of the resurrection to come, we're filled with the gospel that changes the way that we think. We look to Christ above. We think in a different way. We look at things in a different way. And because of that, we're filled with thanksgiving. And because we honor God and we worship Him, we want, don't want any part with the idols and the wicked and evil things in this world. All the power of Christ in our life, it works to produce thanksgiving. 
Which brings us back to the scripture reading we had this morning from Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Listen again. So as Paul's concluding, he says, Above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. He had said that before. He's emphasizing it again. Verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. He wants, he wants them to be encouraged in their hearts. We've read that before. He says it again. To which indeed you were called in one body. You were called together to be joined together. And then what does he say? He says, and to be thankful. Be thankful. It says, because of that thankfulness, he says this, verse 16, let the word of Christ, the gospel message, what we've talked about, the death and resurrection of Jesus, dwell in you richly. It needs to live in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness and your hearts to God. And there it is again, gratefulness with grace, with thanksgiving to God. We sing to Him. And then verse 17, a good message for the rest of the week and whatever you're doing and whatever labor you're working at. He says, and whatever you do, in word or deed, wherever you go tomorrow, whatever, whatever you put your hand to do, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You do it by Him. You do it in representing of Him by His authority. And then he says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank God for what you have, what God has given to you to be active in doing. That's the power of the gospel. And every part of the gospel should cause us to thank God every day. And especially this week, we're reminded of that. And the time that we can spend with family, giving thanks to our creator and to the one who has saved us. I ask you this morning, have you been raised with Christ through faith? In the working of God, God does the work. You put your faith in Him. You trust that Jesus rose from the dead. You believe that you will rise on the last day when Christ comes again. You believe those things, confess them, repent of your sins, die to the old self, bury that person in the waters of baptism, and begin in a new life. Change the way that you perceive and see all the world and live a life of thanksgiving. I encourage this morning. You need prayers, you need encouragement, you need to obey the gospel. Do that now. Let's stand and sing together.